Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Vocation. Today, we're going to take a break from our, every so often we take a break and we speak to coaching or writing matters. And so usually we are speaking about a gospel heritage and doing sermons and conversations around those topics and around the books of Kingdom Come and other books coming. Today, we're going to talk about coaching. So often in my ministry for heritage care and formation, coaching and writing are a big part of that. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, as always, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we are here alive today and able to take a pause and listen to what it might mean to develop a vocational life. And we pray you guide us in that. Bless my listeners and the decisions that they make as they follow you and as they learn and grow and as I am right there with them. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14 to 16, teaches us to wholly absorb ourselves in the spiritual giftedness that God has called us, that people lay their hands in the church, they commended the protege Timothy, and they sent him on his way. Wholly absorb yourself in the spiritual giftedness of your calling so that people will see your progress. They'll glorify God by seeing your progress. So this is definitely a go-to verse of mine, especially through the nine years of graduate and postgraduate school, plus the years in between and around that time that we're building up to that and doing entrepreneurial ministry, creative projects to continue developing the work. I held fast to this scripture. It was entirely motivating. And at its heart is really living a vocational life. Vocation comes from the sense of calling, of voice, of as in we heard his voice in the wilderness, even the wilderness seasons in our lives, or we heard the voice of God calling us to do or be a certain kind of way or live out our faith in a certain way or turn to him in a certain way. Some of us, many times, often, most of us, it seems these days with our cell phones, we get a call or we get a text or it pings us or notifies us. And it's so in demanding almost of our time. It requires our attention. We stop what we're doing. We turn, we pick up the phone, we call back or we text back or we check the notification and it takes our mind into this screen, this four by six, this nine by 16, this screen, this rectangle world where we are managing our affairs in life. And hopefully those are good ones, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to just start with the big one though of adversity, being called in a season of adversity, that wilderness season of your life where everything seems to be going wrong or there's lots of challenges, or there was there's some sort of pain point, there's some sort of pressure. Adversity can be as a turning point. It can turn people around from the direction they were going. And this doesn't always necessarily mean that the way we were living was negative or bad in some kind of way. It just turns us in a different direction. And this is the heart of the idea of repentance. Repent as a verb, turning away from something, is also turning towards something, that you're 
heading towards different direction. And this is a huge emphasis in our ministry where we are talking about kingdom come, that it is in process of coming. It is not just a kingdom that will come. It's not a passive noun. It's not a structure only. Jesus said that the violent try to take the kingdom of heaven by force, but the kingdom of heaven is among you as in him. And he talks about it in the metaphor of a seed that grows into a tree and the birds of the air rest on its branches. Vocational living can be one way to tend and garden and prune that tree so that it has a function of respite, of growth, of reaching towards kingdom come, so the birds of the air rest in its branches. What's brilliant about this metaphor is it connects in two ways to previous conversations we've had and other scriptures that talk about, one, the tree of life, which is the central part around the throne of God and the river of life that flows from the throne of God with, remember, the emerald rainbow ring that circles the throne of God. As in vocational ministry is life-giving, it's life-directive, forward-moving towards that kingdom of a kingdom tree, a family tree of God that centers around the sovereign leadership, rulership, of headship of God, one by not God being violent toward us, but defending us and inviting us through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Previous episodes, we talked about shelter and house of God and home of God in a spiritual and everyday sense. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus as a suffering servant. He had nowhere to lay his head, that he, when he came, was displaced out the gate, except for by coming from the word and the power of God, being born and raised by a woman. His first miracle in his ministry publicly was changing of water to wine. So how can you not like him or appreciate him, right? At a wedding feast, no less, where the people who were there said, you've saved the best for last. Most people give the best wine first and the worst wine later because everyone's inebriated and they won't enjoy the, the good stuff. They won't savor the cost or the expense of it. But again, God is a God of mercy and the first will be last and the last will be first. This sort of what seems like a confusing or awkward timing for us or difficult to understand is at the rhythm and pace of a vocational life. When we center our lives and our ministry, our turning points around what we are choosing to follow and who we are choosing to follow matters. It matters in the long run, much like a compass, a slight adjustment on it will change your course. That slight angle will change your course so much further away from the original point. When God called Abraham, he wasn't entirely specific about all the details about what Abraham would need to do and all the steps to take and the five-point plan and the 10-point strategic plan and the different you know, committees and oral reviews and the different presentations and dissertations and projects that he would have to work on to achieve his goal. No, God just said, go and I will lead you to a land which I will show you, which I promised you. And after that, he said sometime later when Abraham was about 80 or so that 
he was going to have a baby and then 20 years later he's going to have a baby and so he's waiting all this time and when when they're centennials you know that's about when they have their firstborn son Isaac <laughs> our vocational path the timeline of it isn't always socially acceptable or culturally normalized or economically supported or resourced. It's not really even legally noticed. You know, we have this vocational timeline that God has called us and all we know is we can be faithful. I love what my son said about this. I adore it. I adore him for it. He said one day I was trying to coach him out of the shower and I said, mommy wants you to be efficient. Come on, let's get out. It's time to go to bed. And he says, I don't want to be efficient. So he stops, he stands, and he pauses, and he's pondering, and he's thinking, I don't want to be efficient. I want to be faithful. So the Lord must have taught him that because he was four. Indeed, faithfulness has a timeline. My grandma used to joke that slowly but surely, and I wish Shirley was doing it, Or hurry up to wait, like when you're in a hurry to get to the doctor's appointments that she would go to or to make a green light, but it would turn red and everyone would be stopping and that person that cut you off is right next to you. (laughs) You know, come on now, maybe you were that person who cut somebody off and you're like, oh, I gotta hide my face. (laughs) Yeah, learn that lesson again, right? Vocational path isn't so clear always, but we do know it by its progress and that's what 1 Timothy 4 talks about. We know it by its commendation also. 1 Timothy 4 talks about laying on of hands. Are other people in your world, in your life, involved in you, mentoring you, encouraging you, exhorting you, holding you accountable? All of those kind of conversations, as challenging as they might be at times, thus people caring for you. Are these people calling out to God? Scriptures call us to worship God with others in spirit and in truth, to to worship with others who call out to God out of a pure heart. In our complex times, do we despise those who seem to live a more simple way, who seem to worship a more simple way, who seem to understand God a more simple way? My grandma used to often say, God is still on the throne, and that was her response when there would be adversity when adversity would strike in the family, she would say, God was still on the throne. God is still on the throne. My mom reminded me in a challenging season that God is working all things out for my good as I was lamenting and saying, well, God must see fit to allow this adversity in my life. So, okay, thank you, God, you know, that that you've chosen to humiliate me in this kind of Way. In a moment of of uh, a bitter mourning, have any has anyone been there? I'm sure. Come on now. So she reminds me. She paused. She looked and said, "Hey, God is working this out for your good. Thank you, God, that you are allowing this. Don't stop there. For your good, our vocational path comes out for our good, for the good of others, for the good of the gospel, and." as it's influenced and commended by those in our lives. Do you have people in your life who are investing in you in some kind of way? Sometimes it only takes one person. That time that we're spending scrolling or watching the news or doing something else passive, and not necessarily that those things are bad, but from a time management sense, how much time in a day are we giving to networking, 
to intercession, to praying for other people, to asking questions, to holding our tongue and listening or learning from somebody else? Or do we just jump on them and pounce them down and bat them down and say, that's not the answer the Bible says, or that's not the way to do it. I do it this way and that's the wrong way and you're doing it wrong and go pick up that mess over there. And and how much do we run our mouths at our own children, by the way? (laughs) Come on, we could be investing in their vocational path. And that is a parenting approach. It's an approach of discipleship, of answering the verse in Proverbs to train up children in the way that they should go. So it's not just training. It could, could have just as easily said train up children in the way that they should be. That's that's mostly how we parent, isn't it? How even churches might organize their ministries around raising children programs, how they might talk from the pulpit. It might be sort of this behavioral slant, this moralistic slant of how children should be. Well, what does that even mean? Are you being that way? Are you leading by example? Because the example of Christ shows that he laid down his life for us to show us the path. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Though it seems that they were scheming, that they knew what they were doing, they were making choices. They didn't know the grander picture. They didn't know, they didn't understand They didn't, though they should have. He didn't say they should have known better. He didn't say, come on now, God, rain down fire like like his disciples wanted him to say. He didn't say, come on, angels, take me off the cross like Satan wanted him to say. We want to bounce out of our suffering, but what is it going to teach us? How is it going to work for the service or good of the gospel of Christ, of others? Forgiveness as and forward. And I'm preaching to myself here. Forgiveness can be that launch pad. I've begun to think of it just as simply accepting the change that has happened, however the painful the change may have been, accepting that the people involved made choices for the lesser part of their nature, made choices influenced by tactics of the evil one. When we're talking about network, community, or commendation, we're talking about what fruit are these people bearing that you are allowing or that God has allowed or mix of both in your life, what kind of fruit are you bearing that's going to match that or blend with that or make a good salad with that (laughs) or dessert for some of us? Scriptures teach we shall know them by their fruit. And what is that fruit? We know the methods, and we talk about this in the previous episodes, specifically the one about house and home. What are the methods that Jesus identified himself and the evil one? A vocational ministry in the Christian classic sense centers the ministry and the voice around the gospel and teaching others about Christ and raising up disciples, answering his commission to go around the world and raise up disciples to follow Christ. Now that's not saying take a sword and fell them in some kind of way, the sword of our tongue or the sword of a weapon. This is not to say we are forcing conquest or domination. This is the work of the evil one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. So people in your life, or you yourself, are you stealing, killing, or destroying something that isn't yours, that wants to live? Because a vocational ministry, it points to life. The gospel of Christ is all about eternal life. What life-giving characteristics and activities define your life today? 
If people were to write a eulogy of you or me, and we pray that doesn't have to happen, right? But one of the exercises and thinking about the future is consider my days, Lord, as King David said, teach me to number my days, Lord. And other scriptures say, make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. There is an urgency in being intentional about our lives, being deliberate, and adversity can often wake that up. So it can be a turning point for some. It can be a launch pad or a springboard for others, a launch pad just kind of going up to where you needed to be expediting things or getting over uh, something, a troubled water. Sometimes that's a process of a bridge, building a bridge, building your own borders, your own walls as Nehemiah needed to do, rebuilding those Two things take time, and I have personal experience in those. The pace requires a much slower pace, a more deliberate pace, a more patience uh, pace, a willingness to be patient, and to see God work and to have, again, a time management a routine, a schedule of the day that my personality being more contemplative, creative, thinks it could do without, but... Again, if God has allowed a trial in your life and you are not the only one, all of us are going to be banged up in some kind of way in this world that's part of living here right now in the way that it is. But the vocational progression is always toward kingdom come. Every day that passes is one day closer to kingdom come. And kingdom come is not going to just stop once it gets here because again, it's for eternal life. Psalm 93 talks about that and many other places. Revelation 19 to 21 and and Jesus' own words about the accounting that will be held. It's not going to just be a utopia. We talked about in previous episodes and in the scriptures, it talks about how God will make all things new. It will be regenerative, restorative. It will be transformative and healing. There will be comfort and For this episode, there will be an accounting (laughs) one way or another, right? (laughs) That's two different meanings to that. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.